0: you are listening to the Whole Home Podcast, and I am your host, Laura. I hope you are all enjoying the podcast. It is my joy to share it with you each week. The women who have shared their stories and their lives with us have all been so different, and yet their stories and lives weave together at this point in time in this city and into this church family. Tonight's guest is going to share another story with God's fingerprints all over it, and that woman is Jamie Hall. Welcome to Whole Home, Jamie. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say, Jamie, that you are a rock star because (laughs) you filled in a space for me without a year's notice, like almost every single other woman has had. So thank you for your courage. And did you need courage to do this? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind sharing what went through your mind when I asked you, because I did kind of tap you on the shoulder and say surprise. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, um, it was just very honoring um, to be considered Because I am not typically a podcast person, okay. Um, It's not in my wheelhouse. I just I really enjoy worship music Mm -hmm. and things like that. So I was like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do a podcast. Um, So again, I was very honored by it, and I had been listening to the podcast, okay. uh, Again, because I'm not that's not normally my thing, but after. Listening to the the first one that you and Ryan did, mm-hmm. I thought it was such an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. So needed in our church. And uh, just hearing the other women really
0: inspired me. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you. And okay, so the ball's in your court again. Oh, goodness. When did we meet? <laughs> oh. So I,
1: I went back and, and thought about when we met. Mm-hmm. And we started coming to Remnant TJ and I started coming we're coming up on twelve years. Whoa. Yeah. So we've That's been here cool. for a really long time. And in some of those earlier years, I knew we had always smiled at each other. Because sure. you yep. have that amazing smile that makes anyone want yeah. to smile back. Yeah. But I don't think we had ever had any like real in depth conversation. Yeah. Until you had a birthday party. Okay. <laughs> at your home in and when you were living down in Churchill. I okay. mean down um Carrytown. Carrytown, yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you. And we all dressed up. Yes. In our prom best. Yes. Did that. Is that what got you? Yes. The prom best. Yeah, the prom best. I mean, I love any excuse to get dressed up. Yep. So I was like, sign me up.
0: Um, I'm digging up those pictures.
1: <laughs> oh, somewhere. they show up on my time hop every year. They do. Yeah, I love them. It I was love great. it too. So that was okay. the first time that like we had really actually had a conversation with each other and Mm -hmm. and spent some time with each other. So it was just such an enjoyable memory. I thought that that was worth
0: sharing. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Okay, well, I have something fun to share with you. Okay, perfect. (laughs) So just because it is the case that we don't cross paths that much, I tracked down a few people that love you and know you well. And these are the things they wanted to say about you. So here they are. Uh, Jamie, you're a loyal friend. Fiercely passionate, and you love your family well. You are the first to volunteer and do what needs to be done with confidence. You are exceptionally hardworking, and you can be quite the opposite of quiet. But <laughs> it comes in the package of a wonderfully joyous, funny person. Aww. And I personally want to add that I notice your dedication to your family, your bright countenance, and your commitment to your church family. Ah, well, good thing I have the tissues ready. <laughs> <laughs> I did like a panic tissue run. Yeah. All right. So we're going to just start now in your soil section of your podcast, Jamie. So can you share where you grew up? Yes. So I grew up in Midlothian, um,
1: born and raised there. My parents were high school sweethearts Mm. and they got married um, in their early mid-20s and i'm the middle of three girls okay uh so there is definitely um a middle child syndrome (laughs) thing happening (laughs) were y'all close in age so my older sister and i are 15 months apart and my younger sister is just under four years so there was a big gap in between her and i so and do y'all look alike we could not look more different. Okay. Yes. So yeah. my older sister is about five five, mm-hmm. bleach blonde hair, like always oh, have, has been blonde. And she does have blue eyes. And then I am just
0: knocking you don't have to just say. knocking on five <laughs>
1: foot. Uh, my husband won't give me that quarter of an inch. Oh, funny. <laughs> um and naturally dark brown hair. Okay. I never
0: knew that. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) And then my youngest sister is almost 5'10".
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Yes. And now she has long bleached blonde dreadlocks. Okay. And she has a blue eye and a green eye. Oh, my goodness. So, but, like, different body types, Mm -hmm. different personality. Like, we had three male men, apparently. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness that's, kind of, that's hilarious yeah well that's really fun all right so is your family still like 20 minutes away yes yeah, so um my parents they lived out in midlothian and mm-hmm. they
1: recently moved out to charles city so okay. 20 minutes away from me my um older sister she lives down in like the Colonial Heights area. And my younger sister, she lives in Maui, Hawaii. Okay. Yeah.
0: That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. she <laughs>
1: She's our, our our hippie sister.
0: Yep. yep. I have family in Hawaii too. And yeah, they meet all the stereotypes for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so do you have nieces or nephews? Do they have kids? Yes. Yeah, so my older sister has
1: Uh, son and daughter, Mm -hmm. um, and my younger sister uh, just had her second daughter, Mm -hmm. um, and she is married to a guy that she met in college, and his family had a home in Hawaii, so they wanted to go out there and see if they wanted to stay, and they have been out there for, I guess, close to 13 years now, and so they just had their second daughter and... Yeah, they're great. They they get to make it back to the States a, a couple times a year. My older sister's actually out there right now visiting.
0: So has Midlothian changed? Because I did not grow up around here. And to me, it's just so huge. I can't wrap my mind around it. Oh, my it.
1: gosh. I avoid going to Midlothian oh. at all <laughs> costs. It's just, it's crazy yeah. there now. Where I I grew up and I went to Clover Hill High School off of Hull Street. Mm-hmm. And back then... There was nothing. Man. Yeah. It was like, yeah, from the time you got off the interstate and got to the Woodlake area, which is where I lived, Mm -hmm. um, you maybe passed like two or three restaurants and the school was there and, you know.
0: Was your house an older house or did you have like a new build house?
1: So I was in Woodlake and there are different subdivisions within the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I was in one of the newer Sections, So our house was relatively newer.
0: Should I imagine like cul-de-sacs and kids biking everywhere? Absolutely. Oh, we
1: had walking trails through the entire neighborhood. That's amazing. Especially back then, it Mm -hmm. was one of the higher end neighborhoods, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. And I hate saying that. (laughs) But uh, we we moved there um, when I was in middle school to be closer to a pool where I was actually Competitively diving at so
0: okay yeah that's for later yeah that's for later <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's that's literally why we moved there all right and why don't you go back <laughs> wait what oh my gosh Hull Street is like when I grew up people were like don't go to the West End the traffic is horrible there oh. and it is nothing in comparison to Hull Street mm-hmm. I mean you have to go five miles and it'll take you 30 minutes to get yeah. there because there's so many stoplights and
0: just everything is there now well I just experienced that my daughter did character works yes. for the first time and I'm like this is no small trick yeah. to get to the other <laughs> end Yeah, i yeah exactly so all right go ahead and describe yourself for us as a little girl Oh, as a little girl, mm-hmm. I ask my
1: mom this all the time because I have two sons now
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I see some characteristics in them that obviously come from me, mm-hmm. but I don't know exactly when I developed them. So my youngest, who is, I would say, our most rebellious and okay. <laughs> attention seeking and things like that, mm-hmm. I, was, I always ask my mom, I was like, was I like that yeah. when I was his age and he's eight? And she was like, no, that developed later. Mm. And I was like, oh, OK, well, that's good. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm just like, what is going on in yeah. his brain? <laughs> and I'm like, I, I obviously, both my husband and I have pretty big personalities. Mm-hmm. So it was inevitable at least one of our kids were going to have that. Mm-hmm. But I think he has both of our confidence and yep. uh, all wrapped into one little 8-year-old and he's pretty he's pretty wild. I
0: can relate to the eight <laughs> and yes. the boy. My son is also eight. So, okay. So what was the what part was you? So I think the competitive part I
1: always had. I just mm-hmm. always Whenever I did anything, I always excelled. I I started off very, very young in dance. Okay. And I was more advanced than the other kids my age. So I got to dance up with my sister and, mm. and, and the older group. And then I went into, you know. Like all type of dance? What, Back then we just did um, Tap and ballet, mm-hmm. and then our dance teacher retired, and I was devastated because I wanted to be a dancer, you know, mm-hmm. at like four. And then so we kind of shifted gears and started playing softball. Um, and that I, is a gear shift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, my dad was a really talented baseball player. Okay. Um, he did baseball and basketball and football but
0: just at the high school level. How was that, having all girls? (laughs) Was he like, come on, fellas, I mean, So it's funny
1: because he he did get the luck of the draw with three girls, Mm -hmm. and he was very athletic. But fortunately, all three of us were very athletic too. Mm -hmm. Um, And even though – as a girl, I was very prissy and I liked dresses and things like that. I was such a tomboy. Mm. I would go dig up worms in my grandpa's backyard and go fishing in the creek and
0: okay.
1: uh, always, always outside, climbing trees, doing all the things,
0: sometimes in dresses. <laughs> was there a gang of kids with you or were you independent or uh, maybe not independent alone?
1: We always did stuff. Stuff where there were a lot of kids around. And then, again, my older sister and I were so close in age. Uh, we we did do a lot of things together. And like I said, similar to my son now, mm-hmm. I kind of always aged up to, to be – because we were only 16 months apart. My boys are only 15 months apart. Yeah. And so instead of my parents splitting their time between the two of us, I would just always – age up and do the things that my sister was doing. Yeah,
0: well, makes sense. And
1: and honestly, we do that with my son now, too. So mm-hmm. maybe it is my fault.
0: <laughs> and she would just let you come along. It wasn't like, these are my friends. Go away.
1: No, my sister was a lot more independent, where I was more like she could do things on her own and be perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want friends, you know. Yeah. I would always just go up and introduce myself and just be very um, open and. I I just enjoyed doing
0: that. Mm -hmm. So were you someone, like I would say maybe most of my kids, except for now that my daughter's a teenager, she's changed, but almost all of them, they never like to be alone. They're such people, people, was that kind of you? Yes and no, like when I'm with people, I love to be
1: around people, but Mm -hmm. some of my favorite memories was going to my grandma's house Mm -hmm. and she would let us, my grandma and grandpa, and they would let us spend the night like one at a time. Oh, that's cool. And I could just sit there and watch Shirley Temple movies. Oh, man, yeah. And she would buy me two boxes of ice cream. And I would eat uh, like popsicles and ice cream and she would just let me sit there and eat them and watch movies all night long. Mm -hmm. So, and I could do that at other times too, not when I was just there. Mm -hmm. So if I was, didn't want to feel like playing or something like that. I could just sit inside and kind of zone out mm-hmm. in front of the TV and be perfectly happy. That's she would fun. do that. And then she would get me line dancing VHSs. <laughs> and she would just sit there and watch me learn these country line dances. <laughs> it was great.
0: I think we're kin at heart. I don't know. I love this so much. Oh, good. Okay. Okay. So your younger sister, then, when she came on the scene, were you all surprised? Were you excited to be a big sister? Yeah, no,
1: it was good because even though my older sister and I were pretty close and we did do a lot of things, we were completely different personalities. Mm -hmm. And I did take a lot of the spotlight and she didn't need it or want it, but there was a, a pretty good amount of contention between us, most of our childhood actually up until about two years ago we had an estranged relationship yeah and um so my, our younger sister was kind of like oh yes mm. the tiebreaker you know so my older sister she was like Eh, she's too too young for me Mm -hmm. so she would kind of hang out with older friends at that point and I was like I thought she was like my little baby doll and I just loved her and we shared a room and then my older sister got her own room okay um so she was like my little shadow for the longest Mm -hmm. time she'd probably hate hearing me say that because she's so independent of that now but Mm -hmm. but when she was younger everything I did she wanted to do you know all the sports that I did she wanted to do Mm -hmm. and that followed her all the way up through high school when I went away to college yeah and then she kind of broke off from that and started doing her own things. okay yeah so can
0: you share a little bit about your parents what did they do so
1: both of my parents, um, when they graduated from high school, they went to trade schools. So my mom was a hairdresser, okay. and my dad was an electrician. And I grew up in a salon. Okay. Yeah. So cool. I, we would sweep hair. All the smells. Oh, yeah. All the <laughs> smells. We would sweep hair. We would shampoo. We would sit at the front desk and check people out. Mm. Um, we spent a lot of time. And then my mom spent a lot of time. She would always call and be like I'm going to be home in 30 minutes mm-hmm. and somebody else would walk into the shop and she'd take them as a client yeah. Um, and she would be home two hours later uh, so there was a lot of that my dad's schedule was a little bit more fixed so he was home a lot with us in the evenings and and maybe that's why we got so involved in sports too because mm-hmm. that was something that he really enjoyed doing with us yeah. so yeah. Did so he, he own his
0: own business or was he... So he
1: started off just as a, you know, an apprentice and then um, as an electrician. And then he did start his own business when we were younger. And uh, he unfortunately had a business partner who took all of their money. Mm. They became bankrupt. And it was a really difficult time. We did not... No doubt. We grew up with a lot of hand-me-downs, a lot of um, layaways.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yes. we,
1: we would go yeah. to TJ Maxx all the time and pick out our clothes for, for school and put it on layaway. Mm-hmm. And my my parents did a really good job of kind of hiding what that meant mm-hmm. um, because we didn't think anything of it. You know, we were yeah. just thankful that we had, you know, that my parents would, would get us stuff. So... Um, they both my parents really instilled in us to work hard um, that nothing's handed to you that uh, if you want to get anywhere in life you have to put in the work Mm -hmm. Uh, so again from a young age we would work at the salon and make money that way my dad would actually take us to some of his jobs we would be climbing under houses with him wiring Whoa. houses Wait, what? yes okay yes That's honestly i loved uh take your daughter to work day i mean i would get down in the mud under uh-huh. houses with him okay. helping him run wire do you remember any of it? A little bit. I mean, yeah. there's this one distinct house that I remember, and it was in the process of being built, mm-hmm. and it was on, you know, the four posts of it were, like, mm-hmm. brick columns underneath, and you could see all the way through, and I yeah. remember climbing under there and helping him pull some wire through.
0: I probably felt special that he trusted you to even do that.
1: Yeah, or it just needed an extra pair of <laughs> hands. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So, and then my mom as a hairdresser, she decided to o- open her own salon. Uh, so that was, uh, it was really neat to see both of them take their their passion mm-hmm. for what they wanted to do for their living and turn it into successful businesses. And yeah. And there have been some definitely... Um, dark times in that. My mom's salon, we were actually up at practice in Northern Virginia, because I traveled for a bit, and she got a call from one of her managers that her salon was on the news, and it okay. was burning down. <gasps> oh, no. Yeah, oh, so man. so I just remember. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, just remember hearing her voice and, like, how just oh, devastated she was, and you know she rebuilt and rebuilt better than before and so I've I've learned a lot from my parents Mm -hmm. in working hard persevering you know not giving up during the hard times and
0: yeah so yeah Yeah. so you mentioned music Mm -hmm. at beginning so were you involved in music in any ways you said you love it so much yeah no so my dad um, is a
1: musician. Okay. And my mom, not so much. Uh, she's she's sweet though. <laughs> Backup singer, I don't know. No, she can dance. She can dance. But uh, <laughs> singing just was not her forte. Uh, so my dad was actually in a band from the time he was in high school. That's how they met, actually. Mm, oh, she sweet. was at one of his band gigs. And she was a cheerleader and he Mm. was kind of a rebel. And the very first night she saw him up on stage, she told her girlfriend that Mm. she was going to marry him. Wow. Yeah. So he did that for a while and then started having us girls. And I remember vaguely going to one of his concerts, you know, very like very far back in in my memory. Um, And he decided to not pursue it Because he had a wife, two daughters, Mm -hmm. and he needed to make a living. So he put all of his focus back on uh, building his business. Mm -hmm. And then later in life, uh, he, you know, once we were all grown and everything, he started singing again. And and he's been in a couple bands and got to do some pretty cool things. So we used to just sit in his truck and listen to classic rock, mm. and just jam out. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And then we we did go to a church when I was younger. We went to Bonaire Methodist.
0: Okay, um, is that still around?
1: It is, okay. yeah. And actually, uh, Katie Squires was her <laughs> ma- uh, maiden name. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, we actually grew up together at that church. Oh, okay. And her mom, Paula, cool. was our music teacher. Very cool. And so we sang in the choir together. Man, yeah. Were you, are you all the same age? No, she's a little bit younger than me, but okay. not by much. Okay. Yeah. I think she was closer to my Billy's age, mm-hmm. who's my younger sister. Okay. Um, so loved singing in choir. And then in elementary school, we had, you know, our regular music classes. And then there was a group called small choir. And so a about you're gonna have to explain that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so small choir was about fifteen kids from each grade mm-hmm. from third to fifth grade, and we met in the morning before school wow. and practiced and then we did like our annual concerts at for the school, you know, and small small choir got to do special songs in addition to just the grade levels who performed, and then we also.
0: Did well, you got to give me a song.
1: Oh my gosh! was what, an example? I'll I'll, I'll I'll come up with one. Okay. Um, for the small choir, we just sang all your 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 standard, you know, chorus songs that most music programs in elementary schools had. But when you make it to fifth grade, you get to audition for a group called Eight Is Enough, and it's four boys and four girls from the fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And so I made Eight Is Enough, Ooh. and um. So that was a huge honor. We traveled to local places. We performed at like senior homes and oh, man.
0: things like that.
1: <laughs> uh, so we, and we sang.
0: Did you have outfits? Did you have to coordinate like all white shirts? Or?
1: I'm almost positive we did. I just can't remember right yeah. now. I, I'm sure we did. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was probably black pla- pants and a white collared shirt mm-hmm. or something like that. Very um, barbershop-esque, yeah. you know? Or are you,
0: I don't know the terms. Are you the high lady or the low lady?
1: So I was a second soprano. So okay. I'm High lady, huh? In the middle. Okay, I have no so, idea what I'm talking about. No, 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 that's okay. <laughs> so there's alto, second soprano, first soprano. And I was always like in the mid-range, mm-hmm. which is my wheelhouse.
0: Keeping it together, yeah, sister. Yes, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: so we do a lot of the harmony and things like that. So um, so the, my fifth grade year, eight is enough, we did all like Disney movie-themed songs. Mm-hmm. So we did Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. We did Kiss the Girl, yeah, you know, fine. things like that. So I had a, a solo in Kiss the Girl, which I was honestly a little bit disappointed about because it wasn't very, it wasn't a very big solo, mm-hmm. and it really didn't suit my range. Yeah. I I had another song. Your one I, chance. I, I I had another song that I thought I should have gotten, but
0: so please tell me you karaoke every now and then. Shockingly, I don't Aww, very much. Bummer. Yeah. I
1: I yeah. I'm I'm a perfectionist, mm-hmm. and so like I have to think these things ahead, and so I can't just go up there and wing a song. Yeah, like I want it to be the perfect one that mm-hmm. just hits all of my range perfectly. Yeah. So when I do karaoke, I sing "I Will Survive." Oh, and so that that's is my fun. that is my go-to. Okay.
0: <laughs> all right. And do you sing with your family? Uh, no, I mean my dad. We. Or TJ
1: and the boys? Oh, we sing in the car yeah. all the time. Yeah. TJ, unfortunately, was not gifted in singing. <laughs> he wishes so badly he was, yeah. but he just was not. Mm-hmm. The, and the boys, they, they love it. They love singing in the car. They'll, like, scream their songs. Yep. And, and they're like, Mom, can we play the Jesus music? And then they'll just, like, yell out. And then TJ has um. some specific songs that he sings with them when when they're all riding together. Yeah, uh, yeah, we love it.
0: Okay, so tell me, do you have any other hobbies? It sounds like you're really busy <laughs> before school and after school. Yes, I um, I don't
1: like to sit still, mm-hmm. although sometimes I do. Um, but most of the time, I just like to stay busy and active. So, um, singing was definitely something that kept me busy and then as I mentioned before I started playing softball Mm -hmm. and that was um, I played that pretty much through up to high school and then I was on the swim team my parents put us on the swim team at a very young age and that kind of progressed into me becoming a diver. So I, uh, I I thought you Should I
0: imagine like the flip in the air? Yes, spring, yes.
1: springboard diving. A lot yeah. of people are like scuba diving and I'm like, <laughs> "No, like springboard like what you see in the Olympics." Yeah. Although that's not where I started off, but mm-hmm. um I started on the swim team. I thought you had to be asked to be on the dive team. Mm-hmm. So I thought you had to like already know how to do all of the things instead of like starting on the dive team and then learn the things. So we would have just different um, things at the pool for swim team members. Mm -hmm. And I would see some of the divers doing stuff and I would just go up on the diving board and try to learn it myself. And so I had learned how to do, you know, just your typical front dive. I had taught myself how to do a back dive oh my and had taught myself how to do a front flip. And so one day I was at the pool. I mean, we lived at the pool my whole childhood. Uh, in fact, back then you still needed parents to be there if you're under a certain age. But we were such good friends with all the lifeguards. Mm. And a lot of them babysat us in the evenings that uh, – They just let us go. Yeah. I mean, and we would ride our bikes like two to three miles to get to the pool by ourselves. Yeah. And we would just stay there all day. Yeah. So I uh, started just learning different things. And one day, the two diving coaches Mm
0: -hmm. were sitting
1: on the side of the pool. And I was like, here's my chance. Mm -hmm. So I got up on the diving board and I did a couple of my little tricks. And then as I was walking past them, they were like, hey, do you want to be on the dive team? And I was like, who, me? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, my plan worked.
0: (laughs) So then they asked me to
1: be on the dive team. And I thought it was just like such an honor. And so I started doing that each year in order to make it to championships Mm -hmm. which is like the final where all of the pools go against each other they send their like best
0: people the midlothian
1: pools the midlothian pools yes (laughs) um they again send their their best divers but you had to meet certain qualifications or certain dives in order to compete at championships so my very first year um i had to do like a front dive, a back dive, a front flip, and an inward dive. And that's when you're facing backwards, and then you have to go forwards. So you, like, jump backwards, Uh but you end up going forwards. Spooky. So I had never tried it, and so I didn't get to make it to championships my Mm. first year. And I was pretty sad about it, but at the same time, I also was too scared to try the dive. Mm. My aunt came and visited us, like, the week after, I was like, I'll teach you it. And so she literally taught me it the week after. Oh. And so I was like, that's never going to happen again. I'm going to learn how to, to do all the dives before I have to make it to championships. So a year or two later, we had to do what's called a reverse dive, where you go forwards, okay. but then you go backwards. So you jump forwards off the diving board, but end up doing like a back dive. And that's super scary for people because everybody's afraid of hitting their head sure. on that particular dive. So, sounds beautiful though. It, when done well, yeah, yeah. It, it's a really beautiful dive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I had another year before I had to learn that for champs, mm-hmm. but I was like, I'm not going to let this happen again. So, this one summer, some of the older kids were doing this competition where they were doing front dive, front flip front one and a half back dive back mm-hmm. flip inward dive inward flip and then they got to reverse and i was like no i'm i'm not getting out of this competition mm-hmm. so i put on a t-shirt mm-hmm. cuz we used to think that wearing a t-shirt would help from like we call it smacking so if you hit you know if you like belly flop or things like that and it hurts and mm-hmm. you're all red and puffy it's called smacking okay. so we thought that if you put on a t-shirt the smack wouldn't hurt as bad So I went and I put on a t-shirt and we have this other thing. It's called a hurdle. Mm -hmm. And it's what you see divers do at the beginning when they're walking down. So for this particular one, I was like, I'm not going to do a hurdle. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to kind of run and like fling myself off the board Mm -hmm. and go backwards. And if nothing else, it it helped me get over my fear Mm -hmm. of going backwards. So I did. And in like two or three attempts, I was doing a reverse dive. Okay. So I thought you were going to tell me a bad story. No, no, no. <laughs> like oh, no, no. But what was cool about it is that I learned it much earlier than I needed to. Mm-hmm. I was at our championships that year and I placed either first or second in my age group. And later that night I got a call or my parents got a call um, from this woman who um, whose name was Gloria Thompson mm-hmm. and she used to be the head dive coach at the University of Richmond and she had a junior Olympic dive team cool. here locally and she called my parents and said I saw Jamie dive today and I would like to invite her to be on my junior Olympic team and so and I knew yeah. she and I knew she was there so like <laughs> I wanted to do well Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah so I was 10 at that time and so my parents were like, Are you committed to doing this? And I was like, Absolutely. So I started diving with her. We actually used to practice at the pool at University of Richmond. Mm. Um, How would you get there? My parents would take me.
0: Okay.
1: So at that time both of my parents did own their own businesses. Mm-hmm. So and again, primarily my dad had more flexibility. So He would take me to the practices and I think at that time I was practicing maybe three or four days a week and then we started traveling up and down the East Coast going to competitions and at that time my parents couldn't afford to travel with me so the first time I ever flew in a plane uh,
0: it was with my dive coach. So did you become addicted to the feeling of diving? I would imagine it feels so singular.
1: I mean, I I don't know if that's how I would have put it. I definitely got addicted to the uh, competition and the winning aspect of it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just happen to be good at it. I'm built like a gymnast Mm -hmm. and we have to do a lot of moves like gymnasts do. So Mm -hmm. I was naturally very good at doing the flips and the turns and the twists and Mm – Little compact powerhouse diver. And again, definitely addicted to the feeling of winning.
0: So you like sensation with your whole body, like even the singing and the dancing and the diving. Is there anything that you kind of do that you, is more like your hands and your mind? Or are you just sort of like a whole body person? So mm. I'm thinking about your hobbies.
1: Yeah, no. Um, I don't know if I've ever really thought that one out.
0: Like I probably won't find you sketching or would I?
1: I've also always had like very artistic um, abilities Mm -hmm. so yeah when I was younger I would like to to sketch and and whenever I was in art class um, my my art instructor would comment on you know how Mm -hmm. well I was doing. In fact when I went into middle school you know your first year you have to take that elective where you have to try all of the different Mm -mm. things Well, at our at our middle school you had to take a different subject every period or every quarter okay um in, in just the sixth grade so that you could kind of try the different things before you kind of set on something so my sixth grade year i had to take home ec i had to take um art or music That was one of the options, but you had to Mm -hmm. split it. Half of the year was art and half of the year was music. You couldn't do a full year of music. I remember my art teacher asking me, are you going to apply for advanced art next year? And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be in chorus. Yeah. (laughs) And she was devastated. Mm -hmm. So... So yeah, definitely do that. Now I will say, um, I am more physical, visual mm-hmm. things like that. Something that I just never had a desire for was like reading. It's just not my thing. Yeah, <laughs> I and maybe it's because I need more stimulation or mm-hmm. something. But um,
0: yeah, so you were you a good student? I could have been a really good student. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I really could have. I did not mind. Getting away with, like, the minimum amount of work, mm-hmm. but still getting good grades, decent grades. Yeah. And especially as I got older, I knew that athletics was going to get me into college mm-hmm. and things like that. So the the subjects that I was – that I really enjoyed, I obviously excelled in. And the other ones I was like, meh. I was not – I hate homework. Mm-hmm. I hate homework. <laughs> I would just rather be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So – a lot of the times I would do really well in class. I would pay attention. I, of course, I always got those comments when I was younger. Talks too much. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> um, and, But yeah, in, in high school, I just I, I kind of skated through some mm-hmm. of the stuff that I wasn't as keen on. Um, I was not a big history person. I am now, but I hated history. In fact, at one point I said I wanted to grow up and be a history teacher because I hated it so much mm-hmm. and I wanted to make it enjoyable for, for kids like me who <laughs> yeah. didn't
0: like it. So what did you really want to be?
1: When I was younger, I wanted to be Mar- Mariah Carey. Oh. <laughs> yeah, hands down. She was like it for me.
0: Did you have posters and all that kind of stuff?
1: No, I had posters of new kids on the block mm-hmm. and and – eventually um sync, they were my they were my thing funny story even some of my passwords still relate to Justin Timberlake (laughs) but it's just been too long I can't change them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) so um yeah I had had those kind of posters but yeah like Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston Mm -hmm. were my literally my idols yeah (laughs) then I wanted to be a teacher for a while and then Eventually, when I, when I actually went to college, I wanted to work in the entertainment industry, doing public relations and doing like behind scenes. I would have loved to have been a TV producer or mm-hmm. things like that predominantly on reality TV.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh wow, have, have I changed since then? <laughs> but yeah, that's I wanted to move out to Hollywood and wow. work in, in the entertainment industry.
0: To the surprise of everyone, or would everyone say like, oh yeah, that's Jamie? Oh yeah.
1: yeah, they would definitely say that was me. Cause like I said, when I wasn't out doing all of the things, I was sitting at home watching MTV and you know, all of the reality shows. Well, we didn't have a whole lot back then, mm-hmm. but... Um just anything TV, you know, we, we would do our TJI Fridays. Do you remember yes. that? Oh, Did you ever?
0: 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: TGI Fridays. And then on Nickelodeon, they had like Roundhouse. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, I'm so dating myself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Who's Afraid of the Dark? Yeah. And I loved shows like that. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to grow up and do that.
0: Yeah, my kids don't know what it's like to like really wait or something
1: oh we tell our our kids all the time we're like you know we used to have to like wait to go to the bathroom in in between commercial breaks otherwise we would miss stuff and we would as a family sit in the living room on the couches watching friday evening shows together and that was
0: like what we did on a friday night yep that's how my family connected to was tgi fridays all that or whatever was on that night yeah whatever it happened to be um so who were you close to with the most would you say your grandma stood out to you or your mom or your dad or
1: yeah so i would say both but in different ways like Mm -hmm. i'm very much like my dad in a lot of ways and although we would butt heads a lot we both kind of thrived off of that Mm -hmm. we were like um i would say that we both uh looked to each other for arguments yeah. because we wanted to <laughs> challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom and I were, were super, super close. We are also very much alike. She's tiny. She had a lot of the same interests that I did. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time we considered each other each other's best friend. But I loved my grandparents. My mom's parents um, were amazing. We spent a lot of time at their house growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a garden and I would grow tomatoes with my grandpa like from the seed Um, we would go down into his basement and we would grow them and of course I always grew the biggest ones (laughs) or that's what he would tell me yeah um, we would sit on their back porch snapping peas, uh, things like that. My, But that's also like how I was introduced to my first taste of beer because my mm-hmm. grandfather would be like, go get me a beer. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and I'll share it with you. And he would give me little sips. And so I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing. So we spent a lot of time. My dad's parents, um, especially my grandpa on his side, I got to spend a lot more time with him as an adult and not so much as a child. And the main reason is my dad is one of seven Mm -hmm. and a ton of grandkids. Mm -hmm. So my grandpa had to – and he was a a tougher, tougher guy. My dad grew up in a Catholic household, very strict, very – and honestly, they probably had to be with seven kids. So so he was – when I was younger – a little bit tougher mm-hmm. for my other grandparents like they literally had jars of candy lining their counter and we would just go over to their house
0: and I
1: mean honestly with the popsicles the Wait, candy how is that
0: tougher <laughs> what do you mean that sounds oh, awesome <laughs> oh no no
1: my, that grandfather was like not tough oh, okay yeah okay. they would literally give us anything that we wanted I see, I uh, see. so uh yeah, so we – I'm surprised I wasn't, like, obese as a child because mm. of all of the candy and <laughs> okay. sugar and stuff that they would let us eat over there. I mean, he would decorate for Christmas in October. Oh, And wow. he had this, like, glass roof um, sunroom that had these um, electric shades that would come down and up. And he would mm. decorate that entire room in October wow. for Christmas. And so there was cool. not a piece of – of that window that wasn't covered in candy that was like dangling down that we just got to pick oh my gosh we had our own like willy wonka you know factory in in my grandpa's sunroom
0: so do they keep this kind of stuff up do your kids have even a taste of it or are they just stories you share
1: (laughs) i don't even know if i share these stories with them because they would be so jealous yeah (laughs) (laughs) because we we have very limited sugar in my household yeah um so we don't deprive them by any means, but sugar is just one thing that we do in huge moderation.
0: So, so they must, they would think of your stories as larger than life
1: then. <laughs> oh my gosh, they Probably. would be so jealous. Yeah, But um, then we think back and, and like I said, the hand-me-downs and like we would eat out maybe like once a month and that was like a treat mm-hmm. where my kids up until recently have been like, we, we don't want to cook tonight, let's go grab something or, mm-hmm. you know, so... Did you work at all? I can't
0: remember if you told me about any jobs
1: growing up. Mm-hmm. So I worked at my mom's salon. Okay. Yeah. So I did that up until college. I uh, I was a dive coach for a couple of summers before I graduated, and that was it as far as because we traveled so much for sports, and there just wasn't time for it. So how were you getting yourself Hollywood ready? We just—that's <laughs> a, just... a good question. No, so I did get paid by working at my mom's salon, mm-hmm. um, and I was her receptionist. And like I said, did shampoo stuff. So any downtime that I did have that we weren't, you know, going to practices and whatnot.
0: Just for fun, like what was your image like in high school? Oh, <laughs> my gosh.
1: OK, well, I probably went through a couple different phases. All right, Sharon. But I was also on the dance team in high school mm-hmm. and in show choir. Mm-hmm. So like all things glitter we're like so because I was on the dance team we actually had to wear cheerleader uniforms mm-hmm. to school on the days that we had games uh so this is funny I would say in high school that my favorite accessory I, I've got to do it in the voice too okay. I'd be like my favorite accessory is glitter <laughs> So, I know as soon as my husband hears this, he's going to die laughing because he, whenever he imitates me, he kind of uses that voice Mm -hmm. um, because it just kind of sums me up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I loved all things glitter, anything flashy. Mm -hmm. I actually went through a, well, I would say, started getting my hair dyed, because my mom owned a salon, mm-hmm. in like fifth grade. So I started getting highlights. So by the time I was a senior in high school, I had long blonde hair, like down my back long. Um, and then I cut it and I had like a short Dixie chick kind of look going uh-huh. on. So I had short, like wow. kind of flipped out at yep. the ears. Um, in fact, I got stopped quite often in my early 20s because People thought I looked like her. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I even had people be like, no, you're her. You got to <laughs> sing for me. And I was like, I actually know all of her songs because I was a big <laughs> Dixie Chick fan. I was like, but I'm not going to do it. So, so I would uh, very preppy, very cheerleader-y,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if that's a word.
0: So but, you traveled a lot for Dive. Other than that, were you just basically in Midlothian?
1: Yeah. The only time I really left is we went on a couple family trips to like Florida um, and then we did we did go on two cruises and I know that specifically two because the one cruise we were supposed to go on it was right after my grandfather had passed away and it was the first Christmas without him so mm. my family wanted to go on a cruise and a week before we went on the cruise Isn't
0: this candy grandpa
1: yes this is candy grandpa mm. yeah so he was the first person in my life to have passed away yeah Um, that I was very close with. And he, I love that we call him Candy Grandpa. His name was Pampa. It was Pampa Pampa and Moosey. We went on a cruise, but a week before... We left for the cruise. Our ship hit a coral reef. They had to switch us to a carnival, which was going to the same exact islands, leaving from the same port. So like we really lucked out. But they gave us a free Royal Caribbean that we Mm -hmm. had to take within the year. So we took it like six months later. So other than that, and then one time we had to meet up up in Buffalo and I crossed the border into Canada. And my dad and I spent the whole day on the Canadian side of the Niagara Falls. Yeah. So other than that, I had never been outside of the country or really traveled nowhere to the West at all, only up and down the East Coast.
0: You know what I didn't ask you? What's that? You mentioned going to church. Oh, Can yeah. you please share your history with faith, Jesus, yeah. any of that? Oh,
1: absolutely. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs>
0: I feel like, I feel like. We're just
1: going. I know, I know. Well, so like I said, I did go to church and that was my grandparents' church, Candy Grandparents' okay. um, church. And then when I started competitively diving, uh, our practices were on Sundays. So we stopped going. Mm. And then, you know, my parents, my grandparents, you know, my grandfather passed away. My grandmother moved closer to us. So they weren't really going anymore either. But diving kind of consumed my family Mm. for a long time. And and all things were planned around it. So church definitely – was not a priority Mm -hmm. when I was a sophomore in college I mean in high school I. well can I just
0: ask you what do you think your perception was as a child of it
1: honestly we went because my grandparents went Mm -hmm. and even when we did sit in the regular service, he would just fill up his pockets full of mints <laughs> and that would keep us occupied the whole service. Yeah. We did do vacation Bible study uh-huh. um a couple summers yeah. and I remember them doing like these big yard sales out in the parking lot. It was a very, I don't know, I would say like a very structured service, you know, They were wearing the robes and things Mm -hmm. like that. And there was a lot of hymns. We sang hymns instead of, you know, worship music, what Mm -hmm. we know now. So it was just very much like going through the motions.
0: Okay. So did you have friends that went to church or were believers?
1: As far as I know, none of my friends went to church. Or if they they did, they didn't talk about it. Okay. It was, yeah, just not something that was prevalent in my life until until um so my freshman year in high school i was on the i made cheerleading cuz i did cheerleading first before i switched over to the dance team and my freshman year i started hanging out with some not so great people and influences my grades were really dropping again i was just skating by mm-hmm. on the the things that i didn't really care about um so i had some bad grades i had some bad teacher recommendations and although most would have considered me to be one of the best cheerleaders on the team because I could also tumble and Mm -hmm. things like that. I didn't make it my sophomore year. Okay. And that was like a huge blow to my ego. Mm -hmm.
0: Because
1: up to that point, anytime I put my mind to something, you know. So I started hanging out with even some rougher crowds and got into drugs and alcohol and um, was not spending my time well. And I threw a party at my house when my parents went out of town. And, I mean, things got broken. Things got stolen. Like, mm. it was just a bad experience. And um, my parents obviously found out about it because I did not hide it well. So I was grounded the following weekend. So I was, went and actually stayed with my grandma and grandpa. Well, I stayed with my grandma that weekend. My grandfather was actually admitted to the hospital The night that I threw my party. Okay. I got the call while I was at my party. And that he... I mean, he had to have a quadruple bypass surgery. So he was very, very ill. And I just went back to my party like nothing had happened. So I was with my grandma for the weekend after when I was grounded. And I... We went to the hospital and visited him. The next day was their 50th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And he kept saying he was going to make it to their 50th. He was going to make it to their 50th. So went home and while we were sleeping, it was like 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning and got a call. And my grandma wasn't answering it. So I was in the other room. So I answered it. And they were like, can you please go get your grandmother? And then the next thing I knew, she was screaming "Yeah," um, because he had passed away. So, again, the first person in my life who I was really close to, Mm. um, I was so thankful that I was there for her, though, and that I got to see him the night before because my last interaction was getting a phone call that he was hospitalized and I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. So I'm very, very thankful that I got to spend that time with him and with her and I knew something needed to change in my life. Mm. I started hearing about this thing called Young Life a lot of the cool kids were doing it, and they would – honestly, they would get drunk or high beforehand and go. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of them. I don't I'm, – I'm guessing I probably participated in that a little bit too, but I honestly don't remember. Um, but I started going, and then, you know, you sing, like, the fun songs, mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they just kind of, like, throw Jesus in there, like, just kind of – And I was like, I think that there's something more to this and Mm -hmm. I don't know if it should just be like kind of snuck in there like that. So I became close with my Young Life leader and would hang out afterwards and started asking questions and, and things like that. And my mom was at a place too in her life where she was really seeking as well and she had actually started wow. yeah she had actually started going and visiting churches and so i was like mom i'd really like to start going to church and she was like i don't remember exactly but i know she had started looking and at some point she had found one that she really was enjoying and i said can i start coming with you i do find it weird now that like it wasn't automatic yeah. That we all went with her and that I asked to start going. But again, I don't really remember. I'm, I'm sure it was because she could go while my dad was taking me to sports and mm. things like that. So anyway, started going, um, s- super getting plugged in, started going to youth group. Um, started
0: singing on the worship team and then so Would some, you say that Jesus was talked about or was it just sort of Christian identity in a way or was it like Well gospel? it was an
1: assembly of God so mm-hmm. it, as TJ calls it Pentecostal light <laughs> so i mean we did have it, it, it was it was pretty intense Mm -hmm. you know um we had people speaking in tongues and thankfully no snakes or (laughs) things like that but we would go to like different conferences where people would lay hands and like people would fall to the ground Mm. and things like that so no I mean it was pretty intense but just to back up a little bit it was at my grandfather's funeral where they actually did an altar call and I raised my hand as I mean, they didn't call you up to the altar, but they asked while you're in your seats, does anybody here want to, to give their life to the Lord? And I raised my hand. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I had felt called to do so. Um, So that, again, was a huge pivotal point for me in my faith. And I stopped drinking. I stopped smoking. Um, I tried to stop cussing. <laughs> that didn't work so well. <laughs> uh, that is definitely one of my vices. Yeah. I, I, I do like... A good word now and then yeah.
0: <laughs> appropriately yeah. Yeah. applied no yeah no. definitely appropriate applied i don't
1: know if it's appropriate though <laughs> um but yeah so i I really got involved instead of going out with my friends on Friday nights. I would go to this huge Bible study that was at this person's home where mm. it was like a mix of like three or four different high schools. There were over 200 you kids. home? Someone's home? Someone's home. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> like they yeah. had – and we broke up into like small groups of like 15 to 20 people and they had space for all of us in this huge backyard and it was insane but back at that back then manchester high school was one of the new fancy it looked like a a a mall Mm -hmm. is how we described it yeah so they had some pretty wealthy neighborhoods in that area Mm -hmm. Um, and this house was huge yeah i was doing that my friends were still like Hanging with me, but they knew that I was going to be their DD and, (laughs) you know, things like that. I really got plugged in
0: and really. What do you think gripped you? It's very interesting.
1: I I mean, obviously it was a spirit, you know, but I had obviously been longing and searching Mm -hmm. for my identity in something. And I just had a faith in what was being spoken to me. Um, I'm all in, go big or go home, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just knew that it was where I needed to be and what I needed to be hearing. And again, I was all in. I mean, it's probably not the greatest thing that I didn't, like, do so much on my own. It was all in group settings Mm -hmm. during church, during these, you know, so I didn't spend time in word on my own, but I was very all in. Yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced yeah. and um, where I was. By my senior year, I had um, made a vow of celibacy and I, um, yeah, it was that Christ was the center of my life mm-hmm. or who I thought he was and how I thought or what I thought that meant to me at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. And your mom was on the same page at that point? Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And my little sister, too, because she, um, she started coming, and she, she was on worship with me occasionally as well. And she would come with me to youth group and mm-hmm. things like that. My, my older sister was not interested at all. And my dad was not very interested either. Mm-hmm. He would come occasionally.
0: So then how'd you get to George Mason? How'd you make yeah. that choice?
1: So I was recruited to go to college. Um, so I... Toward several different schools their program things like that i was offered a scholarship to all of them Mm -hmm. and i chose to go to george mason because it was a brand new program i like kind of pioneering things Mm -hmm. you know i don't know why i think it's probably because you know one day look back and say oh i was the first Mm -hmm. scholarship diver at george mason like that was very appealing to Mm me (laughs) I know now it like makes me want to like gag. But yeah, that was that was a huge draw for me. The coach was an amazing coach. And I knew that I would probably become the best diver under his coaching. Again, a beautiful pool. And it was convenient that it was close to home so that my parents could attend my meets. Um, I got recruited to out-of-state schools as well. Um, and originally, that's what I thought I wanted to do. Actually, at one point, I wanted to go to Clemson. Because Mark Lindsay, who won the gold medal a couple years prior to that, was the coach, but he ended up quitting before I would have even attended. So I'm kind of glad I didn't go that route. But again, it was another one of those things where I would get to say Mark Lindsay was my dive coach. Mm -hmm. So that's why I wanted to go to Clemson, you know? So, but yeah, ultimately, um, I went on several recruiting trips. I did start drinking again
0: Mm.
1: at on my recruit trips i was the first did you mean
0: to do that no no.
1: i was i was pretty set that i wasn't so i went to virginia tech on my first recruit trip and i was like hey guys just so you know i don't drink and they were like okay that's cool and then they took me to a bunch of parties Mm. and we're like are you sure Mm. and then i just gave in to the pressure of it i wanted to i didn't want to be that like dorky recruit who doesn't party or drink so I totally gave in and Mm -hmm. I started drinking again and um, it kind of just everything that I had been doing for the past two years well not me but everything God had been doing to work in me Mm -hmm. um, was just totally gone not completely right away but it definitely started chipping at it um so I again when I chose to go to George Mason I didn't even consider finding a church home or a church family or other christians and honestly it was never even spoken to me like everything by my parents by my counselors no one at my church had even mentioned hey have you thought about like looking into groups at your school just nothing so i didn't even consider it and i'm not putting blame on anybody else it's just crazy to me that that with how involved um, my life was with going to church and spending time, you know, building on my relationship with Christ
0: that I didn't even consider it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the mindset was, you know, she'll get to that later.
1: Well, I did. Yeah. I do very distinctly remember having a conversation with my mom and it must have been my junior or senior year. And I said, cause it, I, I guess I looked at it very, from a very legalistic standpoint at mm. the time. I didn't really know grace then. And I said to her, can't we just have fun now and be good later? Like those words verbatim, can I have fun now or what I thought was fun mm-hmm. or what people perceived as fun and then I'll be good
0: later. I th- I don't think you're alone in that mindset yeah. though. And just when I went to college, it was very much like college is somehow like this separate part of your entire life. That's almost, I don't want to say your glory years, right. but just this, this epitome of yeah so in your oats or i don't remember but yeah. yeah fun like it's it's the best time of your life yeah. and you're always look back on it and yeah all of these things um yeah coming of age and don't be responsible but i don't know i don't know so maybe that was kind of maybe the mindset yeah. of
1: well i kind of mentioned earlier about like the middle child syndrome thing mm-hmm. so my older sister was very rebellious and she kind of, I mean, my parents, I think at one point just kind of gave up on her because like it, she just did not want to, they had to pull her out of public school a couple times to go to private school because she was going to fail and, you know, things like that. And my younger sister, I mean, she really was a good kid and she did all the right things and she Mm. was really, really good. And I was kind of maybe self-labeled the responsible one. Yeah. And so I think I felt a lot of pressure because I was goal-oriented. I yeah. I was very... Um, competitive and and i had these ambitions from a young age so i again i think there was an added pressure that maybe my parents didn't even put on me maybe i put it on myself Mm -hmm. but that's why i say like the middle child syndrome thing because it was like black sheep goal oriented and kind of like she's the baby and she really was a good kid you know
0: so take me deeper into college you said you were drinking christ was not a part of this yeah what happened there So,
1: I graduated from high school and had my college scholarship ready to go to George Mason. And at our high school, we did what was called a beach week. So, all the seniors went to the beach, and we went down to Myrtle Beach in South Carolina. Um, for a week, and that was kind of like our a whole week, a whole week. Wow, no parents, only kids. I mean, a I lo- missed that opportunity. Oh, yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, after you hear my my story, you you'll probably be glad, you know. Yeah. It, um, but at that time, I had a boyfriend who respected the fact that I wanted to remain chaste at the time, mm-hmm. so um, he. At least respected that. Yeah. But there was still a lot of heavy drinking and things like that going on. Um, So went away on my beach week trip. And uh, I think it was like the second or third night that I was there. I got heavily intoxicated. I mean, just blackout drunk. And the next morning I woke up and... And I did mention I mentioned this to you earlier, but I didn't mention it on here. I'm I'm a crier in all things. So <laughs> it's I will cry through this story, but um a lot of it is because I can I, I can look back on this and see how much God has done for me. And that just makes me overcome with emotions. Um But I woke up the next morning and my friends started sharing some of the details of the evening. And What I can remember is that some guys came over to our house that we were staying at and asked if we wanted to go to a party. And again, according to my friends, I was like, I do. And then one minute I was there and the next minute I was gone. I didn't take any friends with me. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just left. Hmm. And my friends started to freak out because they didn't know where I was. And they just started walking down the street and like, any any house that had, like, people hanging out outside, they would ask if I was there. And they they just, you know, kept walking. Yeah. And then they came up to this kind of, like, skeezy hotel, motel. And they recognized one or two of the guys okay. that had, they had seen at our house earlier. Yeah. And I don't know what the time frame was in between this. It could have been 15 minutes. It could have been two hours. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. But... There was a period where I was there, and then I was gone, and then they started searching for me. Mm. And they saw these guys, and they were, like, standing kind of guard outside of a room. My friends approached them and said, hey, is my friend in there? And – Again, the details are irrelevant, but basically they wouldn't let my friends into the hotel room. Mm -hmm. So one of them went off to try to find somebody at the hotel to get into the room. Like, there's an underage girl in there. These guys apparently were a little bit older. And so somewhere in between there, my friends gained access to the hotel room. And they found me. um, And again, they, they shared with me some of the details. And I stopped them like yeah from sharing any more details with me i just i didn't want to know i didn't want to hear it out loud i felt guilty that i had put myself in that situation someone who claimed to love jesus would put herself in that situation and i felt so much guilt and shame yeah. so i literally like threatened my friends yeah. to not speak of it ever again and they yeah. didn't And so for 10 years, I lived Mm -hmm. with that. Um, So that was really a turning point in my life. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I had already been dabbling and drinking and drugs and things like that again. But after that, I completely walked away. Mm -hmm. So it was just, again, a really, really hard time for me making it through the summer. I could not wait to go to college. Yeah. I could not wait to start this new life that I thought I wanted and be with a, a bunch of people who didn't really know me. And again, other than my friends, very few people that I went to school with knew of what had happened. So it's not like it was one of those like rumors that spread through through the group. My my friends were very loyal in keeping it close to only the people who. It was just a horrible horrible experience and and night for me. And then after that, I wanted to sweep it under the rug and never talk of it again. And for, you know, a, a good majority of
0: my young adulthood, I did. Yeah. So were you like head down person or more determined than ever?
1: You would think that I would have been way more careful with my decisions after that. And I was completely the opposite. Yeah but in some weird way, it was me taking control. Like I would say, you know, and, and through college, I remained an unspoken virgin, as far as everybody knows, as far as I know, because I I wasn't willing to find out what really happened. I just like doubled down. I was promiscuous in a lot of other ways. Yeah. It was my way of taking control of things. And then a lot of guys didn't want to date me seriously, and obviously, I wasn't trying to date any Christian guys. Mm-hmm. So, um, so my senior year, I did start dating someone, and um, and then I had a serious relationship after that where Jesus just was not part of my life. We were together for three and a half years, mm-hmm. and we were engaged to be married. And I broke it off six months before the wedding because I knew I just couldn't marry him. Mm-hmm. I knew that there was something missing. And then after him, I just my promiscuity just took a whole new level Mm -hmm. after that. yeah. And again, it was this sense of control that I was obtaining by I'm the one who's going to be making these decisions. And even with the group of people that I was hanging out with, it was a game. And how did you... What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Did you meet TJ in college? So TJ actually went to high school with a guy that I was engaged to. Okay. I had met him New Year's two thousand and four. Yeah. Wow. Before I started dating this other guy. And he'll laugh. He'll and he, he gave me permission to share this okay. story. <laughs> we he showed up to a New Year's party. It was a pajama news um New Year's party. And he showed up. With like six or seven girls oh my gosh like and him and he was wearing a bud light cowboy hat okay <laughs> i know and so i was interested in this other guy mm-hmm. but i was totally flirting with tj to get this other guy jealous mm-hmm. and it worked oh man <laughs> So that was my first interaction with him. Then I started dating this guy, and we got engaged. And TJ was in the military at the time. So whenever he was back in town, he would hang out with our group of friends. So... We we just grew a friendship. Every time we would go out to this one bar called Rich Brow that used to be downtown near a Tobacco Company. Mm. Um, I w- would tell my my ex I'd be like, Hey, I'm gonna go dance with TJ because he mm. my my boyfriend at the time didn't like to dance and TJ loves to dance mm. and he's so good. Yeah. Um. So we would just spend the whole night just like dancing and having oh, a great time. For me, it was always just like a friendship thing because I was committed to my relationship at the time. But I was like TJ's wing woman. I would like go and be like, oh, my gosh, you should meet my friend. He is so great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he can dance. (laughs) So so we were friends for a while. When I broke off the engagement, we went on one kind of pseudo date. You know, I wasn't interested. He had just gotten out of a long relationship that was equally as horrible as Mm -hmm. mine. And he was getting ready to go to Liberty. And I didn't want to date a guy who was going back to college. I was like 25 at the time, 25, 26. And I didn't want to date a guy going back to college. So I totally friend zoned him. He was pretty mad at me for a little bit. But but he went away to, (laughs) I know, he went away to Liberty. I started dating somebody else because that's what I did. I would just go from one relationship to the next. Mm -hmm. And um, I broke off. The relationship. We lived together for a year and I, if he had ever asked me to marry him I would have said absolutely not but mm. that wasn't enough for me to break off the relationship. Um, so we, we had gotten MySpace then. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so um, I refused to get on Facebook at the time. So it was just yeah. MySpace. But I changed my status from in a relationship. And TJ reached out to me. I was like, <laughs> hey, I've got a wedding in a couple months. Would you go with me? Oh. And I was like, sure. You know, he's always a good time. Thought nothing of it because it was a, a while away. And we would hang out here and there but, like, nothing where we were pursuing anything. Mm -hmm. In fact, one time, and he'll laugh at this, he met up at a bar with me and my friends but had asked another girl to meet him there as well. (laughs) So I was like, way to go. (laughs) I was like, what a jerk (laughs) when I found out afterwards. But, um, but yeah, again, there was just, like, nothing there. And then one night my girlfriends really wanted to – to go out. And I texted him because he was often out the same places that we were. So I said, hey, are you out tonight? And he was like, yeah. And he was like, you know, I'm at, it was starlight at the time. But there was like a line all the way around the block. And he was like, just go to the front of the line and tell Mm. him that you're here with me. (laughs) And so we did. And they were like, come on in. And everybody, it's like a movie. And all the people in the line were like, oh. (laughs) So I mean, it was silly. So anyways, we hung out. I was not drinking at the time because I had gotten a DUI. And it was a pretty significant one. And he walked us to the car and he was like, he was like, I know we kind of tried this before, but I'd really like to take you out on a real date, you know, this coming Friday. So I was like, okay. And I agreed to it. I was hesitant because I was like, it didn't work before, why would it work now? But we went on a date. He took me to the gun range taught me how to shoot a gun which i had never done like not a real gun Mm -hmm. and then we went to sushi afterwards and like none of the guys that i ever dated like sushi and that's like my love language (laughs) (laughs) so i was like okay he taught me how to shoot and i like really looked at him in a different way because he was like so in control and i always thought he was he hates it when i say this i always thought he was a nice guy and he was like i mean i was in the military i was in special forces like i was kind of a big deal yeah and you Thought I was a nice guy, yeah. you know. <laughs> His ego definitely got bruised on that one, but no, he—he he was like a real man, you yeah. know, taking control and and doing all these things. And I was like, okay, okay. Yeah. So we went to sushi and we started talking about Jesus. Oh yeah, wow. And like we had only known each other in like a partying kind of environment and. Honestly, he would, at that time, would kind of use it as kind of a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. to, like, whoever he was going out with at the time, like, how they would respond to it. So he fully expected me and everything that he had known of me up to that point to be like, okay, bye, you know. But I was like, hold on, what? You love Jesus? At the time, I thought I loved Jesus. Yeah even though I wasn't living that way. But I was like, no, 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 I love Jesus. Mm. And he was like, what? Mm -hmm. So we literally talked about Jesus for hours. Like we shared kind of our background, how we came to know Jesus, like how we both weren't really living for Jesus, but that's something that we both had desired. I mean, even with my ex that I was engaged to, I tried Mm -hmm. to get him to go to church with me once. Mm -hmm. And after going once, he was like, nope, not for me. And I was like, okay. Okay. You know, but like I'd always wanted it to be a part of my life. I just didn't surround myself with anybody else who found it to be important. And I just went with the flow. So TJ was like, yeah, I love Jesus. Because even when he went away to college, I didn't know what liberty was. Yeah. So I didn't, that didn't, I didn't put
0: two and two together. Yeah. Was he graduated at this point or? So
1: he had left Liberty because he was dating someone that he had planned to marry. So they both left Liberty and moved back to Richmond and he got a job so that he could provide for what he thought would be his family. But that relationship ended prior to that so we you know hung out that night even though we claimed to love Jesus we still weren't living like that Mm -hmm. so the next morning we went to breakfast and lunch together and we continued talking about Jesus and I called my best friend who I had with me when we met up with him the week prior and I told her that I was going to marry him yeah now the story is not all rainbows and sunshine (laughs) after that we dated for a while again not living in a christ-like way and we actually got pregnant Mm. and here come the waterworks again and then we had a miscarriage yeah and we broke up shortly after he was feeling extremely convicted that we weren't living in a way that glorified christ and i thought i was seeking christ but i was actually seeking tj Mm so i just wanted to make him happy and not the lord and so and tj was able to see that so we broke up and it wasn't i mean we were on and off again for A while. Who knows the exact time frame because we have different versions in in each of our heads. But eventually he moved above the church, the downtown location. He lived literally above the drum set. Remnant Church? Remnant. Okay. So he lived above the the drum set at Remnant. Oh, man. And he was like, what kind of, he would say this, like, what kind of stank club is playing music (laughs) at seven o'clock in the morning on a Sunday? So he thought it was like an after hours club or something like that. (laughs) Um, because it was all dark and you know the black and everything so he literally thought it was a club so then one day he googled it and was like oh it's a church he was like maybe I should check it out since I'm up anyways because of the music so he started coming and just felt very called to continue going to remnant and then we met up eventually for dinner he asked me to come to dinner And that's where he basically kind of laid things out for me. He was like, I've started going to this church. I'm getting plugged in. I'm part of this community group. I am wanting to live my life to glorify Christ, and I want to find a partner in that. I'm not dating for the sake of dating. I would like to date to marry, and I would like that to be you Mm. if you're on board. That's a big question. Yeah, that was a big question. But during the time that we were apart, I really got to reflect on... Where my heart was Mm -hmm. and what I was seeking. And again, at that time, I was seeking a man, not a husband, you know, that we can glorify Christ together. So during that, I had a full meltdown Mm -hmm. one day. I mean, I was just in the shower and I was just reflecting on my life and where I was. And I completely, I mean, actually crumbled in the shower and just like sat there weeping and praying and i said lord i want you in my life yeah i need you in my life i'm i'm no good without you and i know it's not going to happen overnight but i want to do everything i can to um to strive for that and so and this and tj didn't know that this had happened because i hadn't shared that with him so like when we met you know i said hey whether you are in my life or not my desire is still to see Christ. And even if our relationship doesn't go out, you may be the vessel that brings me back to him. Yeah. And I truly feel, feel that he was. And even if we hadn't worked out, that I still would have continued to work on my faith mm-hmm. and my trust and my relationship, whether he was a part of it or not. So I came to Remnant. And I just fell in love with the service. And I'm a kind of person.
0: Who did? Do you remember who you met? Well, the very first
1: person that I met was Trudy Johnson. Oh, oh gosh. She was the very first person that I met. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And immediately Mm. asked me to come to their community group. Oh, my goodness. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, And Pastor Brian was preaching and i'm i'm not one who likes things sugar-coated and i just was blown away and the next week i went to community Was tj
0: like see i told you yeah (laughs) well he
1: didn't even have to because i was just like i love it here i love it here and then i went to the first community group and that at the time it was sean and megan Mm pile's community group and after that first group I said just so you know if we don't work out you have to find a different community group (laughs) not a different church because I would never want to take that from him but he was gonna have to find a new community group (laughs) man so yeah and the rest is history we dated for four months before we got engaged Mm -hmm. and we got married four months after that wow yeah that's an
0: incredible story Mm. I know it's crazy okay so who married you
1: Pastor Sean and Megan was our photographer. Uh, that is one thing that I will say about Remnant that we like have a real hard time with is mm. like building these strong relationships. And then in order for the church to grow, mm. our groups have to break apart. Yeah, yeah. And so Sean and Megan were such huge parts of our life, um, especially for what I would say the earlier parts of our of our true faith. And so, yeah, they're amazing.
0: Well, because of time. I know, I
1: know. I was like, Laura's going to be so mad at me because no, I'm not going to stop talking. Never, 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 never.
0: All right. Definitely don't want to cut off if there was anything else that you wanted to say. But if not, we'll have to leave it there. And- yeah.
1: No, I, I think I've hit all, all the points that I can in this uh, therapy session.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Well, this is just a beautiful part of the podcast where we just get to turn our eyes on someone else in our church family and just recognize how much we mean to one another. Mm -hmm. And so I would love it if you would close us out with the name of a woman that has impacted your life because she has shown Jesus to you. And would you pray for her? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the person that I want to pray for
1: today, and again, the waterworks are probably going to (laughs) start because I just love this person so much, is Angel George. Um, She came into my life at a part where, you know, we were new parents. We just had two children, and um, we just weren't as plugged in as we wanted to be. And her and Mike both just were so open and welcoming to us, and they just... Um, asked us to launch out in their group with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a really pivotal part of our growth in our, in our family, our faith as part, as members of this church. And she has just been such a light to me. Um, She has walked me through some very hard times. She has giftings that are just so amazing. Um, In fact, I looked up first Peter Four fourteen, because I think that it really speaks to her, and it says, "Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God." And I truly think that she has such great giftings, and she really does use them to serve others. Um, She's just so kind, and um, she's just been again such a light in my life, and um, I'm very thankful for her. So I wrote down my prayer because (laughs) I I I wanted to do it justice, because yeah. Just that, I wanted to do it justice. So I'd like to to pray for her now and try to do it without getting too emotional. (laughs) All right. Dear Father, thank you for my sweet sister in Christ, Angel. She is such a blessing in my life. I am thankful for her standing by me, for lifting me up in prayer, for always listening and being there for me, for the laughter and the time we have spent together. I appeal to your loving spirit to watch over her and look upon her with your tenderness and grace. If she hurts, bring her healing. If she's afraid, give her courage. If she has fallen, lift her up in forgiveness. And most of all, dear Lord, let her know that she is loved. Let her know that I love her. And let her know that you love her. Father, bless her and protect her. Wrap her in your loving arms. And let her rest in you for all of her days. I pray this in your holy name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to The Whole Home Podcast a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in a local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.